and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast coming to you once again from quarantine. And uh, it's feeling good. It's feeling good, boys. I'm, I'm getting into a rhythm. It's going to be uh, a little strange once things get back to quote unquote normal and we can hashtag reopen the pod studio. Um, I'm curious to see how that looks. Will we be wearing masks in front of each other? Will our mi- mics have plexiglass I- in between? You know, it'll be our version of opening at 25% capacity. We don't know what level of social distancing we'll have to incorporate into our workflow. We're, well, we- I, was, I was under the impression we'd be opening under 66% capacity and Hunter would have to be cut from the team. Oh, well, I was thinking that it would, we would do 25%, but it would just be like me giving like three quarters of the effort that I normally do in the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Each of us is like, yeah, it's, it's like a mental social distancing where it's like, we're not quite there. We should, we should give 25% effort to every episode of the podcast. We should like start a sentence. Like we'll give the first couple words and then just stop. I'm going to start like a streetwear brand called anti-social distancing mm. and um, everyone who wears it is in high school and yet they have like a lot of money and these are like Gildan blanks and they're like $70 a t-shirt. I want to have a mask that protects me from the coronavirus, <laughs> but also allows me to podcast effectively because if I'm wearing a mask while podcasting, it doesn't really can't sound so well i was born in the shadows are we getting full bane here it's really (laughs) fucked up that uh trump hasn't sent us podcast masks yet yeah you know we are a small business and we are struggling right now okay we're essential i think we should introduce ourselves boys i'm Ernest. i am what's this slightly higher fidelity version of me than last week hunter hunter with a mic not the yeah. best. It's uh, uh, it, we will improve the mics. Yeah, new one next along. week for you, huh? Yeah. Hell yeah. Did you get the um, same one? Uh yeah, the same one that Drew got that uh that nice condenser microphone. I'm an influencer in the world of uh, <laughs> our podcast. And I yeah, I am for this temporarily I'm Drew. Um depends on where things go. Any any if anything problematic is said, I will become Skimbleshanks <laughs> right before it's said. And we should say that we are, and I say this from the bottom of my heart because with, with the utmost love and respect for both of you, but especially to Drew, we are recording this on Star Wars Day. May the oh. fourth be with you. And oh. we, we have a surprise for you, Drew, right now. This episode is going to be exclusively Star Wars talk. <laughs> and we are busting this on you now, so you all have right. no time to prepare for it. Well, now I'm Skimbleshanks, and I'm going to spray all over you guys. Name your top five Star Wars. Oh, um, I couldn't name any of the wars that happened specifically. I will say... The, uh, there's the one for the stars. This is This is a huge blow for your most annoying co-worker because he can't go around and tell everyone hey you know happy storm <laughs> like how am i going to know which ones of my co-worker because i i have a new job since last may the fourth and i don't know which which of my co-workers suck right you know okay. which is going to show up with a lightsaber to their establishment and be like hey you're not allowed to bring a weapon to work Wait, yes, I can because it's Star Wars Day. I don't remember who it was, if it was Bob Iger or somebody, somebody with Disney, like put out a message to Star Wars fans out there today. Like, hey, I know that we're struggling, but may the fourth be with you always. Something horribly cringy like that. Did you, did you guys see, I don't know if I brought this up last time, but the, the official I believe it was the official Disney Twitter account put out a a tweet, I guess, that said that uh, celebrate Star Wars Day with us and the rise of Skywalker coming to Disney Plus by using the hashtag May the 4th be with you. And then they replied to that tweet and said any tweets that use the hashtag May the 4th will be subject to the Disney terms and conditions, which allow us to use your likeness, tweet, and account in whatever we like. I love, man, I love Disney. 
I love that shit, man. Yeah, you are wearing little mouse ears right now. Uh-huh. Not cat ears, because you're not Skimbleshanks. I'm really hoping that Disney will pick up my tweet that said, aha, my girl about to lick that ass today. Aha, made a fourth piece of you. <laughs> so we'll see. It- we'll see if that gets picked up and put on the next poster. Yeah, no, they, they put it over the arch that welcomes people into Disney World as it opens for like the aha. first time. <laughs> <laughs> that girl about to lick my ass today. Aha. We should, since we're on Star Wars, we should mention that as of today, uh, Taika is officially directing a Star Wars movie and co-writing it. Did you guys yes. see that? Yes, yes. Co-writing I- with uh, Christy Wilson Cairns, who is uh, the woman who wrote uh, 1917 along with Sam Mendes. If this ever does happen, if movies are ever a thing again, this is going to be great because he directed one of the best episodes of The Mandalorian and he just won an Oscar for... Uh, what's it called? Jojo Rabbit. And we love him. So good on him. Good for him. I um, Good for him getting that money. Also, hopefully, if things do happen again, uh, we should say, uh, this was breaking news as of today, that uh, Tiger King's cast has been released. Oh, Man, cage, baby. I Nick am officially <laughs> the winner of our Tiger King casting because I said that Nick Cage will be Joe Exotic. And I, I was correct. Much like Michael Jordan, it. Michael Jordan in the finals, I shot, I called my shot. I was ISO, I had two men on me and I just pulled up in traffic. Did you say Nick he Cage will be yeah. the Tiger King? No, you yeah, didn't. I said he, and I said it will be written by the guys who made American Vandal. Um, we all remember me saying that very clearly. Uh, Again, that part, that last part isn't true, but I did call Nick Cage. If uh, if movies are a thing again, this will be amazing. Do we think that this will be a Netflix thing? Do you think that they like somehow swindled their way into the rights? Yeah, it is. It's a Netflix thing. Interesting. Um, I believe it's a show. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It is. It is. It is going to be. Oh man, God, these fucking assholes, fucking geniuses, dude. It it pisses me off. It's like, how are they that good? How are they that smart? It's like, it's not fair, you know? We'll see. I, I hope that it's good for my king, Nick Cage, my Tiger King. Um, I hope that it is good. It's always hard uh, to compare a documentary series to a dramatization. Right. Almost like 99% of the time, the documentary is just better because if it's, if you're able to make things, make both the documentary and drum series about them, then that means that the characters are interesting enough as is, and you don't need other people to portray them. Like I think about as much as I really enjoy people versus OJ Simpson, I just think OJ made in America is better because OJ is fascinating enough of a character that uh, I love Cuba, but he is not OJ. So mm-hmm. same thing. So yeah. So the, the, other or the the writer producer guy dan lagana he is of american vandal fame so he was like one of the key people uh who made that show so good but i also want to shout out he's also the co-creator of bo burnham's zach stone is gonna be famous which which was a killer show yeah one of those the most underrated shows ever that one season check it out if you can find it you can't you can't it was on mtv so it's it's buried somewhere in Viacom's library whenever they try to uh, unlock the gates on that one. But that show is um, Zach Stone is going to be famous is like one of the um, kind of like quintessential sort of mockumentary type things before it. I guess kind of in the heyday of like the mockumentary genre that has now sort of uh, gone to the to the wayside. Um, but Bo Burnham plays this guy who is just literally trying to make himself famous any way he can. Yeah, just hiring a documentary crew to follow him around doing stunts. Oh, it's incredible show. Um, Great blooper reel, which you might have an easier time finding on YouTube or something. Uh, But yeah, uh, I mean, this is a, you know, as trustworthy a person as any to put at the helm of something like this. But I mean, like you were saying, Hunter, both Zach Stone and American Vandal are completely fictional. 
And that's why part of the reason they're so good is because they are such faithful representations of reality, but it's a reality that we cannot verify as existing, you know? Uh, so it's a different dynamic and I'm, I'm interested to see it. I'm going to watch it as are probably every person in America. It would be cool if they found a way to go more surreal with it, if that's even possible. But, you know, instead of sticking to the the realism of it, just kind of go full bonkers. Um, I mean, there's definitely room for improvement with certain things of the storytelling of Tiger King. As much as I really enjoyed Tiger King, it was like an episode or two too long. Um, and I mean, the second half isn't as nearly as good as the first half, in my opinion, at least. So I think that there is, I would rather see it. I think that the, what Tiger King was nine episodes, right? Uh, eight, nine episodes. I think it was seven. Was it, or maybe it was seven. I'd rather it get trimmed down to like five or six, which I know it's like cutting out some content, but I just think that it sometimes with these like real life uh documentary shows about real people uh it can get a little bit dream like you're pulling too much off of the well like yeah it's an interesting enough story as it is don't try and suck it f- dry for everything that you want like leave us wanting more don't give us too much you know what i mean and maybe we'll see if this sh- dramatization does a better job of that i'm imagining it uh being chopped up in way different uh, pieces in like a way different sequential order. I'm than sure the it'll be a lot more linear. Yeah, I mean, just more linear. linear, and then also just you know expounding upon certain stories. Like they, I mean, they have the ability to just show things that they did not have on camera for Tiger King. Um, I'm imagining like a 20 to 30 minute long uh, thing, like like very bingeable, you know, and then like a bunch of episodes. It says it's an eight part. It's an eight part show. So if if that is the case, it'll be like a four hour thing total. Um, cool. Yeah. So I hope that comes out at some point. Back to Star Wars, real quick though. We forgot to mention no. that Leslie <laughs> Headland is uh, along with Taika uh, getting her own Star War uh, in the form of a Disney Plus original. Yeah, and she and did I, a Russian Doll. Exactly. That's why I wanted to shout it out because. Um, I just think it's great that they, you know, are, are mining that good, good talent, um, from a show like Russian doll that was just so creative and so unique. Um, so she'll get her own star war. Eventually everybody gets their own star war guys. It is, it is kind of unfortunate though, that like they're, because they've had such a problem with the MCU and with the star Wars franchise about not giving, uh, female directors opportunities to make exactly these movies but it's still going straight to disney plus it's still not getting released in a the theater it's not going to have a 250 million dollar budget like a lot of these other star wars are mm-hmm. which is that's it's like icing on the cake where it could be you get the whole slice that was a bad analogy, but that's, <laughs> that's not yeah, what that, that analogy means. <laughs> well, enough of Star Wars. Happy Star Wars Day to all who celebrated. Um, even if you are a ugly, ugly, mansplaining uh, Last Jedi hater or whatever. You you know, everybody. Star Wars is for everybody, okay? All right? Even if you are a piece of shit. Okay. Even if you have good taste, a lot of people with good taste somehow like Star Wars. Um, anyway, <laughs> speaking of good taste, Brian Adams, our great donor, supporter, listener, executive producer of the podcast, sent us an email uh, a couple of weeks back, and we're just now getting the time to respond to it. It is, it is a little bit of a hefty email, um, and he writes subject line quarantined in kansas (laughs) guys i wanted to jot down some things i've been watching and throw them your guys way most of them offer commendations uh, from this pod they've got us working from home he's a graphic artist for an embroidery company oh that's cool in manhattan so we're surviving up here not unemployed yet so i can't complain hope all is well in florida Really enjoyed the COVID pod the other day. Yeah, so this was kind of the early days of the quarantine. So he lists a bunch of things 
that he's been watching with some thoughts on it. So I'm just going to try to run through them as quickly as possible, but feel free to stop me if you have thoughts on his thoughts, okay? First of all, Pen15, really enjoyed this one. 10 out of 10. Thought it was one of the funniest comedies I've seen in a long time. It her is. In the, her in the trench coat on a hanger during the seven minutes in heaven scene. <laughs> Crack me up. Very funny show. Maya's older brother telling her what to say to the other kid who called her Uggis was hilarious. Incredible Great show. show. Great show. I've, I've sang its praises too much already, and yet I still feel the need to tell people to watch it. Frozen 2. Fully aware that this is for kids, though also not really because they want their money. So whatever, it's a success, quote unquote, but we didn't like it. Loved Olaf and all the animals, but the horse was dumb and the plot was all over the place. Hard to compare the first and second because they're totally different films, but I'll say this, too much music. Jesus Christ. I I agree a thousand percent with you, Brian. I was not a fan of Frozen 2. It seems like Frozen 2, if you didn't like the first movie, then you like the second one. If you like the first one, then you don't like the second one. It's kind of the the thing that if you're not a child, I should say. I don't want right. to like yeah. categorize like for kids everywhere but if like, you're under the age adults, of 13 you're gonna see this I, shit and yeah, love it like i personally really loved the first frozen movie i think that the music is really good i think that it has a pretty good message and story to it um and i just could not get into the second one there is it is one of the more convoluted children's movies that i have seen in recent memory i also recently saw g-force so maybe i shouldn't even say oh, anything Christ. about how convoluted the plot of frozen 2 is yeah it's getting bad over here in quarantine but you know we should talk about Next. g-force for for a good like hour though <laughs> yeah can we, we do a g-force like that in-depth review I'll save next, that if we week. have a it, next time that I win a, any kind of a movie wager thing, I'm going to make you watch G-Force, Ernest. I want your deep analysis. I, I feel like I've movies. seen it. I think I saw it back because it was it's like an older movie. It's 2009. Before that. Well, is no, it nine? Are you looking? Yeah, it I think it's yeah, 2009. So it's, it's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you couldn't get that cutting edge for technology before. It had an insane budget. Guys, okay, here, let me run down the cast of G-Force. Right oh, you don't now. have to Go tell ahead. me. Yeah. Sam Rockwell, Tracy Morgan, Penelope Cruz, John Favreau, Nick Cage, Steve Buscemi, mm -hmm. Zach Galifianakis, Will, Will Arnett, and Bill Nye. I I will say Penelope Cruz plays sexy guinea pig. Um so she is she is curvy. Let me tell you about this. Oh god. Um, <laughs> She's pretty I, fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> they want us to think so. Um I can't I can't talk anymore about G-Force. Please move on in Brian's email. The it's, world it's, needs bigger heroes. It is unbelievably bad. It is so it is a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. so, <laughs> the script is a nightmare because it's obviously for little kids, but it's so needlessly complicated. Like all of the, the plotting revolves around this crazy technological apocalypse. And they're using like three and four syllable words in every sentence. And then it cuts back to Tracy Morgan being like, oh, I'm a, I'm a guinea pig. Like there's yeah, no, it's, no in between. Gadgets, no, I, gizmos, guinea pigs in 3D. I watched G-Force twice in the course of like four days uh, because I hate myself now. Oh, Because um, I watched it once and I was like, Drew, you have to watch this movie. Like, please, please watch this film. Because I had just been thinking about the guinea pig universe and what this means. Will Arnett plays like a bad CIA agent who's actually also good but still kind of bad and he is completely unimpressed that uh zach galifianakis could make guinea pigs talk and he's just like your funding is cut we cut your funding <laughs> it's a nonsense wait film. i i have to mention one more thing about g-force before we move on it was okay so it's directed by this guy named hoyt yateman who doesn't have any other directing credit. It's literally his only movie he's ever made. <laughs> Just one well, if done. You, people, there have been rumors that it's a pseudonym because if you mix up all the letters in that name, you actually get Steven Spielberg. 
So he worked he worked with Jerry Bruckheimer on Armageddon, Con Air, and The Rock that, as we know, are all um, Michael Bay joints. And he won an Academy Award for the VFX in the 1989 film The Abyss. Yeah, he's a he's a, a Cameron guy. <laughs> yeah, so congrats on your taste, uh, Ernie. <laughs> He worked really, on really like, great look for you. Actually, looking at his VFX stuff, it does make sense why they had him do this movie because also he was in The Fly. Like, he was the VFX guy for The Fly. Oh, uh, the, the VFX Goldblum? guy. For, the yeah. Goldblum Fly? Yeah, um, hell yeah. Mighty Joe Young, which I uh, thought was enjoyable as a child. Don't, right, don't rewatch well. that. It's not going to age well. <laughs> Mighty Joe <laughs> Young. 100%. No fucking way. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Brian's email. So, next is Booksmart. Another 10 out of 10. We watched this one hearing the first half of you guys' episode for it. Loved it. The soundtrack was perfect. Casting kicked ass, and the karaoke scene won the movie. Also, I treated the Righteous Gemstones as disappointment, as appointment television. So seeing Skylar Gazondo in it as the rich kid made my night too. Nice. Good actor. Awesome. Yeah. Funny kid. Yeah, good. I mean, pulling, pulling up with death grips. Righteous Gemstones, very good show. Booksmart, very good movie. Hell yeah. Uh, next, Man Seeking Woman. Great show. A oh, few yeah. episodes into it now and really digging it. Really like Jay Baruchel and the Eric Andre show. So it's hitting all the right notes for me. I like the that actress from the I Think You Should Leave skit with the vulgar Instagram captions. Yes, she is awesome. Um, that is, I would say, a top 10 most underrated comedy of the 2010s, yeah. that show. It is just truly uh, one of a kind. Yeah, it's a one of a kind show. Uh, always good. Yeah, it's all on Hulu, on FX on Hulu, if people want to check it out. It's one of those that you just got to you just gotta go with it because it gets super weird super quick and it operates at like a different level of reality. But if, you, if you're about it, it's fucking genius. Uh, next, The Dream Team. Uh, this is a doc and it's a rewatch and had the realization that we won't that we won't get the could be the new dream team for these upcoming Olympics. Man, this NBA stuff is really tearing me up and boohoo for me for sure. Worst problems going on. But there are a lot. Of, there was a lot of action going on this season. Historic playoffs coming up, but we'll see how those get rescheduled, if at all. I uh, I definitely because I'm sure that Brian is watching The Last Dance and I definitely want to know what Brian's thoughts are on The Last Dance because we just got to in The Last Dance uh, this past week uh, some the episode that went around based around the 92 Dream Team and I haven't actually watched the documentary The Dream Team yet and so I know that there is more content out there but while watching I was like God I just want to spend more time with this because whenever you realize who all was on that team like it's like gobsmacking how crazy it was and just man the 90s were great i i just i wish that we were like more grown in the 90s to have experienced it all very sad about uh nba maybe it'll come back and it'll all take place in orlando because they've been talking about that just making a bubble at the at disney world um at the wide world of sports because there's like six gyms right there so they can just like have all the nba players and then like very small amounts of like cameramen and stuff just all be in this bubble to play out the rest of the season and that would be so nuts i will break into disney world to like go <laughs> like hug my friend my son jason yeah King. do it with a my mic. large adult son do it while you're recording so we'll get it on the pod yeah did sure. you guys see the the skit that had the snl at home skitch with charles barkley yeah the uh what it, up with that it was it, okay great skit but he, it, barkley was awful he was so so awkward like clearly reading from a from a cue card well, they didn't give him anything because Barkley is like legitimately like one of the funniest athletes ever. Like just naturally funny dudes were like maybe, he doesn't maybe the funniest. To, yeah, like honestly, I think that he might like he is just so funny. And people are like, oh, Shaq is funny. Shaq is 
humorous, but Shaq just has the same bit where he's just like, I'm a large ogre. Yeah. And I can make a funny face. Yeah. But like Charles Barkley is legitimately like a hilarious dude. And he's never, I feel like he has never really gotten his due. No, he's, he's a really good SNL host too. Yeah. 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 No, it, it, just that one skit, you know, this, this whole SNL at home thing is very, very hit or miss. Yeah, so I watched the first one and I heard that they worked out a lot of the kinks in the second one. Like there was higher production value because they realized that they could do some heavy editing. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to fuck Brad Pitt as Dr. Fauci. I, I did want to bone. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. one was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, really rough. The I mean, the RBG thing, move on. <laughs> like move on from this character. This this RBG's freaking epic and the notorious RBG. Yeah. It's it's is it 2014? I I will say the graphics team, like the all the editors, the post production on this SNL at home thing, absolutely carrying it. They oh, yeah. are they are just the whole show is on their fucking shoulders. Um but speaking of NBA, Brian's next item, Space Jam. First rewatch since he was a kid, and it was still pretty good. It's funny just not registering a green screen as a kid. Never noticed it on sitcoms either till now. That is an interesting point. You are just fully uh, in in the world. Exactly, yeah. But this needed more all-stars playing too. Got blue balls wanting John Stockton or Alonzo Mourning to show up and make some shots. Can't wait for the second one. LeBron has has to have gotten a bunch of other guys in on it. At least Clay Thompson confirmed. And uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, he got his uh, teammate Anthony Davis. I am, uh, I, of course, it's been stated on the podcast before, Space Jam was, Space Jam and Toy Story were my two favorite movies as a child. I would just watch them religiously to the point where like I broke VHS tapes that had those movies on them. Um, one very minor piece of news about Star Wars or about a uh, Space Jam is that they have announced the uh, a little little Space Jam, a little uh, Kimonian f- uh, slip, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, the title, the title treatment. Yeah, uh, that it is called um, the Space Jam: A New Legacy. Which yes. shout out to our boy Sean Fennessy, who uh, compiled a list of all movies that include the term legacy in them. Their sequels, um, not a great list. Uh, we have Tron Legacy. We have Born Legacy. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. It's uh, not good. But here's hey, what I, I have to it, say. Here's what I have to say about Space Jam Two colon a new legacy justice for looney tunes back in action this is looney tunes back in action erasure and i will not stand for this we are completely ignoring the real legacy that should be acknowledged here and that is brendan frazier's i don't know that movie meant so much to me as a kid and i didn't realize incredible piece of filmmaking much like keeble i just didn't know it was a huge flop my is it i think that my grandma just kind of shopped in the sales section of walmart <laughs> to get her vhs tapes it was all keeble and then that and then uh like spirited away and then like the rescuers down under somehow that movie successfully killed looney tunes and brendan Fraser. like all just in one piece of filmmaking it ruined both of their you know what you know what we should do since we're in quarantine we should do a space jam and looney tunes back in action showdown review there's a lot to I'm talk about i think we we may have discussed this before but the absolute failure of looney tunes back in action is the reason that there was never one of these movies uh, starring tony hawk and about skateboarding that, oh, that was slated wow. and it failed so hard that they canceled it they were gonna hit like all the big time like uh well i guess i guess looney i guess looney tunes doesn't really touch on an athlete at all it's all about like stunts he's yeah. supposed to be like a stunt man well quentin tarantino was gonna make a looney tunes movie uh, and then that also fell through yeah i can't this. believe that fell through yeah. <laughs> all right next on the email is Maradona. Really fun watch. First documentary I'd mm-hmm. seen with all with all found footage like this. I don't know much about soccer, but it did the job of painting his fame well. Overall, I feel for the guy. Empathetic first. 
but also he used his foot like brass knuckles in that one fight. So not a good look. Listen, you got to be a little more sus when you're watching a documentary about one person, because if they are interviewed in that documentary, they probably produced that documentary. Right. Maradona is notoriously an awful man. Yeah, I, I won't say I, I saw the doc and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought that it was one of the better jobs uh, that HBO has done in recent memory as far as their docs go. I'd say I think I, I liked it a little bit more than the Andre the Giant doc that came out a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, they kind of touch on the sketchy side of Diego Maradona with his working with like the Italian mafia and all these kind of uh, questionable character things, but definitely could have gone a lot deeper on there, but you know, you take what you can get. All right, let's get through the last couple of things on here. Edge of tomorrow. I can't watch a Tom Cruise movie and remove his ego from most of the scenes. Not a bad guy, but I see a, every major scene for him as a notch on his belt, like super tramp from into the wild. Woof. All right. That's a take. Good on you, Brian. I mean, I understand that Tom Cruise is a very sketchy man, but Edge of Tomorrow is a fucking great movie. It's so fun. And he's going to have a hard time uh, watching any content if you filter it through who's good and who's bad, though. Right. The problem with documentaries is that, like, the the conceit is factual information. That's why that tends to bother me more. There's no character. Although, here's a take. This is something I was talking to Lee about the other day uh because we we've been trying to think of like segments for the pod and there's this one segment that i've been meaning to bring up to you guys about doing like character or not character arcs but like career arcs for people and we were thinking like one of them we could do a career arc for tom cruise and he has completely erased the line between himself and his characters like that line when you look at when you look at magnolia that line is there. But then when you look at fucking Mission Impossible Fallout, that line is completely blurred, 100%. Yeah, Tom Cruise just is Ethan Hunt. Exactly. Like it is. I mean, that would be a great going through. And we can finally give justice to Tom Cruise. I want to give Tom Cruise, if they do make the stunt Oscar a thing this year, then we need to go back and give Tom Cruise like 12 Oscars because <laughs> he is. He is my king, my short king. I channel Tom Cruise energy in my life every day. As I wake up, I measure myself, and I'm still five foot seven. And I'm like, all right, me and Tom are. It's just me and Tom against the world. Uh, all right, man from Uncle, third time, third time rewatch. Wait a minute, Brian. Brian. <laughs> what are you doing? Always a good one. High hopes on them eventually making a sequel. These guys were made for these roles. I've got season tickets for Henry Cavill and John Hamm. So this and Baby Driver were fun watches for me. Whoa. <laughs> All right, man. Good good on you. Good on you. I never saw this movie, so I, I can't talk shit if I haven't seen it. Um, have you get oh yeah, I was gonna say I have not seen a hey, seen maybe we'll maybe Michael, we'll check so it out. On it. All right, last one. NCAA basketball. 09 and 2k14 <laughs> i've been putting in some oh, hours yes. on my Hell old yeah. xbox running new dynasties for k-state and the college basketball game i saw one of you guys tweet about 2k the other day and that was that was me <laughs> my favorite thing to do is to run playoffs on 2k with the clippers mix in random celtics and bulls from the 80s and 90s three minute quarters and one game series it flies by and feels like the march madness for the nba good times Sometimes I'll load a bowl, put on a podcast, and do kickoffs. I'll load a bleep and do some off returns on NCA 14 for like 30 minutes. K-State against Rut- Rutters or something. Time enjoyed, well spent. It is never wasted. Well, that um, makes sense why he likes us. He's fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why does this guy like this horrible <laughs> podcast? Hey. I'm very interested to see how this all affects the upcoming football season. It's it's interesting seeing how it's already affected college football recruiting. Can't travel to see the new recruits. So a lot of state schools are getting more local talent than usual. All the good guys leave Kansas for the SEC. 
Quarantine has me typing way too long. Gonna wrap this up. Release the MJ doc and give me that boys season two. I know they're already done filming it. Boom. Thanks, Brian. Amazing email. Hey, That's very quickly, Brian, I have, if we're in quarantine for much longer, I will bust out my copy of NCAA March Madness 08 with Kevin Durant on the cover uh, and just start playing through that because I probably put in like 250 hours into that game, as well as maybe I'll go back, put in some old NCAA football and play with like Reggie Bush at USC and just really uh, relive my peak years. So might as well. Yeah, might as well. All right. Thank you so much, Brian, for that email. You're a beautiful man. Uh, sorry it took us so long to get to it, but you can always email us at weboughtamike at gmail.com or send us a voicemail, anchor.fm slash weboughtamike or tweet at us at weboughtamike with your thoughts or just if you just want to talk, you know, maybe maybe you don't have anybody anybody to connect with while you're in quarantine. So reach out. You never know if uh, you're going to be on the air and uh, – be read your thoughts to the public. So let's get to what we've been watching, boys. And I have a doozy. It's a little film called Secondhand Lions. It was released in 2003 and it stars Michael Caine, Robert Duvall, and Haley Joel Osment. I don't think anybody has seen this movie. And I don't think anybody listening has seen this movie. I saw it. Oh, good. Way back when, uh, multiple times. Oh, good. This this was one of the only videos I had at home. Um, Do you remember it at all? The plot in any way? I did not like this movie as a child. This seems. This to me is one of those movies that like is for adults, but it's a kids movie. Yes, that was exactly what I was going to say. Is that this movie? falls flat on its face because it comes off as a kid's movie, but it's not at all because it's it's a story old fucking men. Yeah. It's a story about these two old guys, like reminiscing about their old life. So it's almost like, it's almost like a mix between the fall and um, I don't know. It's like Dumbo. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So here, here's what I'll say about it. Cause I don't want to go on and on about this movie. First of all, Michael Caine has an American accent in this movie and it's atrocious. Cause you don't want to hear Michael Caine with a Southern American English accent. It's just, you're just going to have a bad time. Second of all, the, the other, his performance is awesome. And the other two performances are of Robert Duvall and um, Haley Joel Osment are genuinely great. Like they're all putting in good work, but the the movie just never it, it just never works. It never clicks. And here's where my my anecdote comes in because my neighbors and if you're listening, neighbors, I'm sorry, but I did not enjoy this movie. They gave us this DVD saying that we had to watch this movie. And I was like, what secondhand lions of all movies? This is the one that we, I have to watch. So we pop it in, you know, Lee and I were just like, we could watch anything else, but we're like, okay, we love our neighbors. They're so nice. Um, We'll give this movie a shot. And right from the jump, it's just like, what is happening? It's a snooze fest. They well, there's some things that are so bizarre. Like in in every other scene, they change Robert Duvall and Michael Caine like change costumes, it, 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 and it, it like makes no sense to the plot. Like while they're why they're changing costumes, the movie is also very racist against Arab people. Oh yikes! Uh, it's 2003, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, in like Bush era America, they just need to like really dig in that that knife. Um, and I, it, the movie kind of like wants to solve ageism a little bit. Cause it's like looking at these old men who are reminiscing on their lives. And there's this scene where they're sitting at like a diner restaurant and these old or these young, uh, like greaser types walk in and just start picking a fight 
with Robert Duvall. And the whole scene is just centered around like, let's show that these young folks are going to get their asses beaten by this old man. And it's like, why, why are we doing this? Are, are this movie just trying to show us that like old men can beat up young men that are mean, that are trying to eat, eat off of the old man's plate. So the, the movie like tries to be like this serious dramatic thing about like being in your old days and grappling with your life and wanting to die on your own terms, damn it. But also like being really wacky cartoon, like Looney Tune shit. I, at one point, um, they keep shooting at these uh, salesmen because they're both very wealthy and everybody knows that they're wealthy and wants to calm them out of their money. So there's all these salesmen coming to them and they just start blasting shotguns at these salesmen. It's like, what are, what are we doing? What, what is happening? Why are you like unloading your weapons at these salesmen coming to your house? There's another scene where they're farming the land they're working at the garden and they put a dip in, they put a dip in and then they give the little boy, little Joel Osmond, a dip. And then he puts a dip in and he pukes, he pukes. Cause he puts a dip in and he's a little boy. I'm like, what, what is this movie? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> what do you think your neighbors are trying to tell you whenever they let you borrow this movie? I do you think, think that they legitimately were just like, yeah, our very progressive liberal neighbors, Ernest and Lee, they will really love this film about a man's man in the country. Well, it, it's a cute movie, you know, because Robert Duvall is uh, uh, sleepwalking at night and like reliving his youth. And there's a scene where it like freeze frames, cross fades into the sky. And it's just like, whoa, it's just a cute movie about this old man, you know, and he's like reminiscing on his life. But then when the lion comes in, the titular secondhand lions, but actually the real secondhand lions were Michael Caine and Robert Duvall. Whoa. But when the lion, the actual lion comes in, he runs into a cornfield, right? And then he hides in the cornfield. So I think the reason why they wanted us to see it is because we planted corn in our yard. So they want the, our corn to get really tall so that they can get a lion that runs into our cornfield. Conversely, I think that they probably are saying, do not grow your corn or else a lion will come. <laughs> and eat our son. <laughs> you fucking savages. Um, I, 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 I don't recommend this movie unless like you're mildly curious. I give it like a five out of 10. It's, it's not great. It's so cute. I... I have one, because I've never seen this movie, but I do have one memory that I didn't even remember that this was what this movie was called until I actually looked at the poster of it. And I remember I moved to a new house in Tallahassee whenever I was in like third grade. So it was right around like, uh, it was right around 2003 when this movie came out. And I remember going to a blockbuster with my family one day and seeing like, a cardboard cutout for this movie. It just was the poster. It like was a life size. Like, it was Robert Duvall, Michael Caine, and then the Haley Joel Osment sitting, and then they had like grass around them. And I vividly remember like this little like cutout that was That's just awesome blockbuster video. You should have kept it, man. You should have. I was. I home. did not get it. I saw it and I said, I don't want to see that. And then I just rented something else. Two two last thoughts. One, Haley Joel Osment is in this period where he's coming into puberty. Yeah. So he looks like the kid in The Sixth Sense, but he sounds like the guy in Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> so it's very disjointing for my brain to see it's that. very, very sad that you have to fast forward all the way to Comedy Bang Bang to find adult <laughs> Haley Joe Osment. Yeah. Um, how about his voice as Sora in the Kingdom Hearts games? He's able to fluctuate it enough as Sora so that it, you're not hearing Haley Joel Osment. You're not hearing the voice cracks in Haley Joel yeah. Osment's. And then the last thing I want to say, Josh Lucas is in yeah, this movie. Yeah, he's in it, bro. <laughs> as adult Haley Joel Osment. And he is so bad. Oh, God, this actor, 
why why did why did we think that he could be in things do we think that at the time go back to 2003 do you think that Haley joel osmond was fucking psyched that he's like yes one day i'll grow up to be josh lucas i think he would still be psyched <laughs> to find that out <laughs> is that who had a better career josh lucas or Haley joel osmond so in this movie michael kane and robert duvall are millionaires and nobody knows if that's actually their money or if they stole it. So that's kind of like one of the plot lines. And we're led to believe that Haley Joel Osment is going to inherit their wealth because they fall in love with him and they learn to like care for him. But then grown up Josh Lucas is a cartoonist. And that's it. He makes his living like drawing little cartoons that are like the lion that was in the cornfield. And it's like, so did those old men never give you any money? So no, you have to draw cartoons? Chase his uh, dream, you know? Can I spoil the end of the movie? For, Is it okay? I'm going to be so fucking mad if you... <laughs> all right, so th- one of the through lines in this movie is that they don't want, uh, especially Robert Duvall, does not want to grow old and die of being old. He wants to like, he wants to live, damn it. You know, just like subject matter <laughs> that kids like. <laughs> you know, children love thinking about death. And so, and so Haley Joel Osment is like, uh, Mr. Mr. Robert Duvall, sir, you need to take care of yourself and your health because I want you to be around for when I'm at least in high school, maybe college. And then uh, eventually they convince, he convinces him to be like, okay, I, I won't, you know, lift heavy sacks of lion food anymore and break my back. Um, so then fast forward to when Josh Lucas is an adult and he gets a call. He's drawing his cartoons. And he gets a call. <laughs> and he's like, oh, they both died at the same time. Dri- <laughs> driving an airplane upside down into their barn. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? This sounds like a fake movie. They sounds- died living, damn it. <laughs> so... I don't think that you sold me on this movie, Ernest. I'm not so, be honest. So Ernie's neighbors, let this be a lesson. If you give him a movie, he will watch it, hate it, uh, tell everyone that he hated it, and blame you <laughs> for making him watch it. I I don't I wouldn't say I hated it. I I enjoyed a lot of it, but I can't say it was remotely close to good. You know? Cool. I I'd say like, you know, five out of ten. Had some fun. Um, all right, so that's secondhand lines. Real quick, um, Westworld season three wrapped up. Really dumb, very just just silly and stupid in every conceivable way. Don't know why I'm still watching this. We'll probably watch season four because I I I I can't. I don't know what is happening, and I I. Do I hate myself? I might. I I don't know. But this show went for it. It was trying to go for like really compelling, deep ideas. uh, And it just, it just failed. It is, it is just one of the most poorly written television shows I've seen in a long time. And that's saying something because season two hit a, a rock bottom, but it had certain moments of genius like that one episode that focused on the Native American host. Um, so it, it, season two was still able to like, wow me. And season three, the whole thing was like, fuck, man, this is so stupid. There's a main plot line in this season. Spoilers for Westworld 3, where Dolores copies her brain into other hosts. So now... Tessa Thompson is playing a version of Dolores and so on and so on and so on. So now not only can anyone be a host, but anyone can be Dolores. And it just makes it very dumb and very stupid. 
And the show has no interest in getting us invested in characters and getting us to care about any sort of growth or change. There's a little bit of it with Aaron Paul's character, but it, it, it just feels like it's, it's what we've talked about where it's like, what are those shows that, that thinks it's smarter than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And it just comes off as like, you know, very, very sour taste in my mouth. Um, so I'm not proud. I'm not, not pleased. But. Well, thank you for those two non recommendations. <laughs> I really like to know like what I shouldn't be watching right now. I, it, in these troubling times where you're like, I have so much time in my hands. I could watch literally anything. We should do more non recommendations on this podcast. I'll, I'll do a real recommendation. Better call Saul. Better call Saul. Another show that just wrapped up season five. Incredible. I gotta catch up. I gotta catch up on Westworld first before I can get around to that. <laughs> yeah. My neighbors hey. just gave me this movie that I, I don't want to check out. <laughs> Third hand it's lines. Cats. It's called Cats. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Hey, I did watch uh Step Brothers this week twice in one day because it's that funny. All right. So maybe go back and watch Step Brothers. It's like a 12-year-old movie at this point. Still fucking holds up. Still fucking hilarious. Every single scene. Adam Scott, King. I think that there is, I we don't have to get to it. I want to save. we could do an entire podcast on Step Brothers. I think there's an argument that that's the best McKay joint. Interesting. In my more opinion. Than, more than Anchorman? I think that it is, no movie has zero plot and works in the same way that Step Brothers does. Everything about his genius. John C. Riley is a fucking king in that movie. Richard he Jenkins, almost, too. Richard Jenkins. Like, I no, but I really feel like I love, of course, like we we're, we all love Will on this podcast. We are pro Will podcast. But I think John C. Riley is significantly better than Will Ferrell and Step Brothers. That's my opinion. I think uh, Adam McKay might be another contender for that career arc segment that I just yep. teased. He's now like a an an awards guy, which yeah. is kind of fascinating that he has made the stupidest movies ever, and now he's like always like slated to be nominated for best screenplay every time he writes. Yeah, that. but also Succession. Yeah, like the dude, he his best days are ahead of him. You know. When you're talking about the Apex Mountain or whatever, it ha- he hasn't reached it yet. At least I don't think. Um, all right. So that's that's everything I've been watching. Why don't we uh, move on to ooh little uh, what we do in the shadows. So I will be pretty brief on this uh, because have you guys watched any of what we do in the shadows season two? Not yet. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Um watch the show same thing it's it steps up even on season one which i thought season one was excellent in just about every way it was in my top 10 of last year um and season two is even better just doubling down on everything now that we have these established characters some of the plot lines that we go down are absolutely just hilarious like truly like some of the funniest stuff that i've seen on tv in years it all has that same sensibility to it that very dry mockumentary which we mentioned it earlier the mockumentary is now becoming like more and more of a dying thing after it had its big boom in the late knots um there is a couple they just had season or uh, episode four uh where they get uh they think that they get cursed because uh, um, they turn on um, uh, their laptop for the first time in like 10 years and they get a chain email one of those chain emails that says like you're cursed <laughs> vampires are worried about a chain email curse very funny uh, Guillermo is uh, without spoiling stuff that's happening like a running uh, side plot that's happening this season uh slight spoilers for season one here but there's a whole thing where there are uh, vampire killers that are going after the three main people and Guillermo has to protect them from him by killing uh, vampires and they just go all in on that plot line as just a side plot to every episode this season 
Craig Ferguson's in here. Our guy Haley Joel Osmond is in the episode. Oh, hell of yeah! Two. Secondhand lions, baby. Uh, they keep queuing up because uh, there is also these vampire killers side plot that is being introduced to this where they're planning to go after a uh, beanie feldstein vampire from season one um this show is so good it's so good it's all on uh on hulu now i think that now since fx on hulu it just comes out the very next day it comes out like on thursdays so can't recommend the show enough thursdays or fridays on hulu definitely check it out one other thing um so we were talking about, you know, because some, some good new music has come out. Fiona Apple record has come out. Carseed Headrest record just came out a, uh, last week. Uh, but I think that we all wanted a little bit more time with it. To Spoilers, really it's a full. damn good album. It's a damn good album. Check out Carseed Headrest. Uh, great band. I will follow Will Toledo to the end of the earth. Um, but instead, wanted to spend this time to highlight a band that released an album in 2019 that we did not recognize on this podcast. Mm -hmm. It is a little band um, called Origami Angel. Very uh, smaller band. Uh, Drew actually introduced them to me. Because I brought it you- up on pod because they were, I did a whole thing when we, we talked about Ian Cohen's uh, top 100 emo songs of all time. Uh, they made the list right. like toward the bottom but I was still pretty impressed. Uh, and the way he described them, I immediately thought of Hunter. And then I listened to them and I immediately thought of Hunter. <laughs> and then I told you on pod, you, you gotta listen to this fucking band. So I have news for you guys. The best album of 2019 was not Vampire Weekend's Father of the Bride. It was not Tyler the Creator's Igor. It was Origami Angels' Somewhere City. Whoa. The best album of 2019. Is this a retcon episode right now? This is now a re- I'm making it a retcon episode right now because I this is a band that I feel like was if like just you could make a band in a lab right now that would be perfectly uh oriented for me, it would be this band. They have they're very emo, of course. Uh, their song 24-Hour Drive-Thru was the one that actually made the list onto the uh, the best emo songs, the top 100 emo songs of all time. But they are very progressive and kind of mathy at certain points. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very catchy. Like, this guy, Ryland, uh, the lead singer and writer of the band, like, he knows how to write hooks that just bop and even like just the way that he uses his lyrics uh and his voice as an instrument in the songs it's only two dudes um in this band it's just a drummer and then the guitarist singer um and they are just so good i implore everybody to listen to this album because i think that if you like any kind of like true emo music like not necessarily pop punk. It is have to be like if you if you are open to the idea of emo, then I think that this is a good gateway band for you into more experimental music uh, and more progressive kinds of music. The the reason that I love them so so much is because they're not they wouldn't be my number one on my list, but they would enter my top ten. I'm I'm over the moon that they're your number one though. Um, but yeah, the reason that I love them is. They're one of the very, very few pop punk bands remaining that do not feel sad for me to listen to. Not because of the subject matter of their songs, but because most pop punk bands remaining now sound like they belong in a different year or a different time period. It just sounds like legacy acts or like throwback bands. And uh, they don't sound like a throwback band while still remaining solidly in the realm of uh, analog rock music. They are inspired by, you know, things like like Pokemon video games or whatever, as much as they are like early Fallout Boy. Um, I'm pretty sure I read something very similar to that, like almost verbatim somewhere. Uh, and it's not in a way that would annoy the shit out of me because I'm someone who would, I when I read that, I thought that I would be highly bothered by uh, Pokemon inspired music, but it's not. It's just incredibly melodic uh, and yet also it doesn't lose the technicality that you're talking about. Uh, it's it's a really, really interesting mix. The closest band, uh, modern band I could think 
to compare to would, would be Remo Drive's first album, Greatest Hits, which is an incredible album, but uh, up the up the progressiveness, up the uh, technical skill a little bit. And also, this guy's Rylan is a bit of a better singer. He's he's a really good singer. I'm hoping if they get you know better studio time, uh, they can kind of like jack up his vocals a little bit because they don't need to hide his vocals in their mixes. Like he he is very talented. Yeah, I was gonna. I mean, I just I watched a uh, Twitch stream with him pretty recently that it was just him playing, and like I was even more blown away just because it was just uh, Ryland. Uh, Higgy, I think is his last name. I don't want to butcher that last name. And so I'm just going to keep calling him Ryland. But uh, it was just him with the acoustic guitar singing and playing. And it's one thing to hear recording. Like we all have garage bands. So we know that it's easier to just kind of like loop or just like keep fucking up and just like get one little bit and loop it or do whatever if you're recording stuff. But watching him live sing while playing these experimental riffs and just like finger picking and stuff like that while he's singing something that doesn't even line up necessarily with the notes he's playing is just blew me away with how uh, technically adept it was. But you're right also, like he has a great unique voice that it doesn't sound like anything else that you're hearing. And this album, I think it gives me vibes. It's very, very different music wise, but some of the tonality with the lyrics reminds me of something like suburbs where a lot of it is like trying to like, I, this sounds bad coming from a white dude who lives in kind of the suburbs of Orlando, of the greater Orlando area, but it's not, it's, it's coming from a place of like an angst in the suburbs of a city and trying to find your place while dealing with anxiety and all kinds of is other issues. And this, uh, throughout this album, it touches on these kind of themes in here without ever getting preachy in any kind of a way. Like, I think that this is, like, this is one of the reasons why this album has just affected me. And it's also, this album is 30 minutes and two seconds long. It is such a breeze to go through. It's an album that builds with each song and adds, I mean, the last track on here, the air up here, even uses clip, like, uses, uh, um, blanking on the word for it but kind of sonic motifs that have been present in different or lyrical motifs that have been present in every other songs and layers them on top of each other about just trying to find this like this one city where you can just like kind of feel at home and be yourself and express yourself and i i mean that's just talking about lyrically i just think music wise it is just made for me and i understand that it might not be as great for other people that's why i said that like this might be a good introduction to other more experimental music for people because drew you don't like uh like math rock or prog rock really per se uh no because fan of it well no because uh two reasons uh one it tends to lose its tonality and melody in the process of becoming so technical and two it doesn't usually with math, bad math, especially it doesn't sound like the band is having even a little bit of fun when they're playing the music. And both of those problems are not the fucking case here. They sound like they're having a blast. They, uh, they've come up in the DC area and they like rock houses over there. So it's always the two guys, right? Or do yeah, they ever expand or is it ever just like the one? I don't know. I don't know what their tour is like. Uh, they were originally, they were actually supposed to play in Gainesville, I believe at a fest uh, this year, which I think is in October. Hopefully that will still happen. Uh, hopefully we can like go outside in October because I can't wait to see these guys. Uh, they are also, I mean, I also wanted to give them a shout because they made it on that list, uh, the top emo songs, which is huge for them because they are still a really, really small band. Like they only get, they get like 57,000 monthly listens on Spotify. So they are a pretty small band, yeah, very it's small. Fun, but they are starting to blow up a little bit. I know I've been like trying to follow them on Twitter because any kind of, especially smaller band, I always just want to like buy their merch and reach out and like kind of support these guys. So they keep making stuff. And they released uh, a like special edition vinyl because they just signed on to some other uh, DC-based label, and it sold out online in two minutes. Oh wow! So they are starting to get bigger. 
really, really cannot wait to see where these guys are, where these guys go for the future. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope they don't. I don't. I hope they don't go the route of Remo Drive, who lost so much of what made them themselves once they got studio quality recording. Um, but I, you know, I don't think that that'll be the case. I have faith in them, and uh, they're. I mean, if I've even been going back and listening to their first uh, main album that they put out, uh, "Doing the Most." Uh, or I guess it's like almost like an EP that they put out back in 2018 is really or quiet hours was their first album that they put out in 2017. But this is the biggest thing that they put together, like their first real album album. Uh, quiet hours was about 20 minutes with seven songs. Also all their songs for like math prog bands. I mean, I'm wearing a coheed shirt as we're talking about this. Right Sick now. dude. So, but coheed is a band that, uh, I love whenever I see like that 12 minute mark on a song, I just get, I like come my pants a little bit and that never happens to them. All their songs are like two and a half, three minutes and it's just quick and easy. You just got like a nice punchy melody. Yeah, it is. It's very good pop punk, but it's just, it's, it's on the higher end of what pop punk could be. Dope. All right. That's origami angel. And the album is called Somewhere City. Somewhere City. Check them out. Um, let us know what you think. You can reach us at We Bought a Mic on Twitter. Follow us all on Twitter and Letterbox. And you can also email us at We Bought a Mic at gmail.com. Uh, anchor.fm slash We Bought a Mic is where you can support us and send us voicemails. Shout out to Brian once again. Thank you for donating. And thanks to Brett as well for donating. Stick around. We got a uh, A24 bracket special episode coming at you, um, or maybe you've already listened to it. And next week, we'll be back with more uh, music, movie, TV talk, whatever the fuck we feel like it. So stay safe, stay healthy. Any last thoughts? Somewhere cities waiting for you. Uh, no. All right. No, no for me. I okay. love you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Gummy gang. Bye.